Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shereko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shereko. Well, on behalf of Rebuilding Your Life Radio and the Train Your Brain, Claim Your Power calls, welcome. I'm looking forward to our conversation today with Suzanne Casares. Nestled in South Carolina, Suzanne lives with her family, blogs, and writes books on a variety of topics centered on home, family, stories, and favorite pastimes. There's a comforting quality to her writing that seems to take you back to simpler times. So please help me welcome Suzanne Casares. Hi, Suzanne. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you, Susan. Any more earthquakes in your region? No, fortunately. That was just a a fluke situation, and the weather is beautiful and sunny today. Great. Suzanne, when writers are given instructions about how to write, it's often said that they should write about what they know. And after learning about the numerous items you write, I think you've embraced that approach. We really get to know you through your writing. And I'm guessing that the best place to start is with your book, The Checkerboard Quilt, a memory collage of my 1960s childhood. Can you tell us what this book shares with us and how it captures your memories? Well, it does go back into my childhood, um, and I had some wonderful memories with my grandparents. Uh, As a child, I spent summers with them, and um, so there's a lot of little stories that I weave through the the book. It's entitled The Checkerboard Quilt in a way to weave those stories together so that it comes out a beautiful, completed project like a checkerboard quilt would. And I just share a lot of um, activities, things that we would do that were interesting when I was a little girl. Um, They were very creative people, both of them uh, growing up during the times of the Depression. They learned to do things um, without having much money, like they did garden. I'm sorry. I say, what kind of things did, did, did they like to do? My my grandfather was a big gardener. He had a huge garden in his yard. My grandmother um, did flower gardening, so they did both vegetables and flower gardening. Uh, he had fruit trees. So that I found myself up in trees, and I found myself sitting under trees, and mm-hmm. I would just different ways to entertain myself, such as um, creating my own little fort and uh, acorns would be my little people, and they would sit amongst leaves and sticks, and I would just find a way to make a little family nestled under a tree. Or I would go out and try to find four-leaf clovers in the yard, and I I found five- and six-leaf clovers even. So I just learned to uh, entertain myself a lot by just being creative and using my imagination. Now, did that color your life philosophy, so to speak, you know, from this this kind of experience that, and you compare it now to what's happening in our world? 
I think about it a lot. I think about how sad it is for children now that they don't use their creative minds a lot because of technology, and it's not their fault necessarily. If they begin using technology at an early age, then it just kind of, uh, you know, it's so mesmerizing they can't help themselves but just kind of become addicted to it, and before they know it, you know, time gets away from them, and they don't spend time doing things to create their minds and expand their minds. So I just think it's it's kind of sad instead of going outside to play in the yard and doing all the things that we did as children growing up, up outdoors, that they are indoors so much and they are just limiting themselves in what they could be doing and expanding themselves and, and their abilities. I grow up feeling the same way you did because I had such opportunities to be creative I mean, even if it came down to making a bed for a doll out of a tissue paper box, uh, you know, things like that. And I didn't get a lot of things that were ready-made off the shelf. So I think I liked, I liked the touch of the human spirit in that process as opposed to the rather cold and sterile aspects of technology. Um, do you think I, I'm, I know I read in your background that you were trained as an, a recreational therapist. Do you think that, that all the, these very enriched childhood activities contributed to your wanting to get involved in recreational therapy? I definitely do because I have a bent for creative uh, activities anyway. I always have... Um, enjoyed crafting, um, artistry type of projects, gardening projects. Um, so I've always felt that leisure activities have been a wonderful way to be therapeutic, you know, to, to help you uh, process through things in life and keep your mind active as well as, you know, your hands being active. So it's mm-hmm. always been something that's inspired me, and I thought that probably was one of the reasons that I wanted to study recreational therapy. But you didn't actually work as a therapist, did you? What did you do instead? I ended up going into banking, uh, working in a mortgage um, company and being in the underwriting department and then uh, actually helped my husband later on to start a business in real estate appraising. So we just went a completely different um direction than than we did we thought we would from college and that happens a lot of times Mm -hmm. the surprises that take you in a new direction (laughs) that does happen yep so this uh, I I really resonate with the life lessons that you learned from your grandparents and it wasn't just the creative aspect of it I think uh, there were some other things that were, were very important the wisdom and the philosophy and the the deep down core life values that they had to offer. What what do you think those elements were for you? I just saw how they lived such a simple life and they were content with what they had and they didn't have to go buy things new all the time like it seems like we do nowadays it seems like um you know if something was broken they would learn how to fix it um 
they would be self-sufficient because they'd have their own uh, garden. If there was ever anything, you know, that they couldn't find at the store, they they would make do without it. Um, you know, they, my grandmother was great a great seamstress. She could make clothing, and she made uh, many, many doll clothes for my doll. And uh, she was just a great uh, domestic uh, expert in many ways. She was a great cook. Um, and she'd been a teacher to children when she was young. So she was a great inspiration to me um, as how to deal with children and how to inspire them and got me reading a lot when I was um, at her house, too. Now, and you, of course, you, yeah, go ahead. I would just say also they were a great example of faith, too. Uh, they took me to church a lot and um <clears throat> were an example uh, to me in my faith, you know, trusting in God through different situations in life. Mm-hmm. Well, is that, did you seek to capture all of this in the checkerboard quilt? I had the initial chapters of the book um, in the back of a closet for many, many years, and I started out writing the stories when my children were little, when they would be uh, taking naps or playing in their rooms. Sometimes it would inspire me, things that had happened throughout the day. I would remember my own childhood, and so I would take little snippets of time to write down some of those stories that I remembered from childhood, and so uh, that. I, like I say, I put them on on a shelf in a closet, the stories of my grandparents in my childhood, and had put them aside for many, many years and um, never really thought I would do anything with them. <laughs> but, but something happened. <laughs> something happened. I um, actually had uh, another time in life when my daughter was in college, I again sat down and started to write and um, would actually started a blog and would write about her childhood and my son when when he was growing up. And it was kind of a way of processing through the emptiness syndrome in a way. Mm -hmm. And about that time, it was 2012, and I have been a longtime subscriber to Guidepost Magazine and was reading in their magazine about a uh, book writing contest that they were offering. And so I had the blog post that I had started writing and I began thinking to myself it would be a great opportunity for me to put these blog posts into into a book form and submit them into the contest. Um, I had a pastor in a church at the time that was a great motivator, and he was encouraging people, you know, if you have something that you've always wanted to do, you need to do it now, you know. And so he was really motivating and encouraging um, us to try to step out and do something new that we've never done before. And so that was kind of the motivation that got me going. I thought I I need to put this into a book form. And, And so it pushed me to enter the contest, and of course I had a time frame. I had to have it done within the year, I believe. It was like a 10-month year 
span that I had to continue writing more stories so that I'd have enough material for a book. And then I finally got it finished. And what an undertaking. (laughs) I had no idea how much work was involved in writing a book. Mm-hmm. And then the did the uh, oh yeah the technological part is huge. What oh, what yeah. was were they supportive of you? Uh, they were very supportive of me. Of course, it was via telephone calls, so I didn't actually have the benefit of having someone sit over my shoulder and read my writing. You know, I had to send it in uh, excerpt at a time, and they would maybe give me a little a few tips here and there. And it wasn't until the final editing that um, I, you know, got all the feedback from them. So I had to, a lot of it, just had to kind of wing it on my own. But at the same time, they would keep calling me and encouraging me. How's it coming? You know, are you getting the material together? How many words are you up to now? And that kind of thing. And um, I think I had the most trouble with um uh, uploading images um, at the time. Mm. That was pretty mm-hmm. new, I think, with, with imaging, and I had never done anything with pictures. I'd never even added a picture to my computer before, so that was a big uh, learning curve for me. <laughs> but well, I after, as, uh, I, after I had completed the entry to the, the contest, you know, I felt so much better about it, and then I think it was another three months before I got a response back uh, from them as to my entry. Um, there was a grand prize winner. Uh, I wasn't in, in, a, in any of the grand prize uh, contest winners, but they encouraged me a great deal and said, you've got to publish this book. And so that was the encouragement that I needed to um, go ahead and do the self-publishing through uh, inspiring Voices, and that's how my book, Bagpipes, Planes, and Strings, came about. And I would encourage anyone else that had ever wanted to write a book. It's just a wonderful, rewarding experience. I, I just um, felt so such a sense of accomplishment after having done that. And then when I actually received the physical copy in the mail, and got to look at it myself. I just, I can't tell you how wonderful that felt. It was just a wonderful yeah. thing. It I, I, I agree with you. When I wrote my book, I felt the same way. It is, it, it just ca- encapsulates something very important that you accomplish in your life, and you can look back on it, and you have a physical evidence that you did it. It's, it's magnificent. So tell us a little bit about bagpipes. Planes and Strings. Uh, I think there's a subtitle, A Woman's Journal on Letting Go. What is that about? Well, um, I started out uh, with a background on my children as they were growing up. And uh, like I said, I was going through the emptiness syndrome during that phase. Um, So I was writing that. And then, lo and behold, I started having a series of different things um, that were a little uh, hard to go through happened at that time. Um, I I would just say the bagpipes, planes, and strings title kind of gives you a couple picture images of uh, what 
what thing, what what sounds in my mind still stir memories because the bagpipes were the sounds of during my my daughter and my son both graduated from a Presbyterian school. They played the bagpipes um, during their graduation ceremony. Mm-hmm. And then, then again, when my daughter graduated from a Presbyterian college, they played bagpipes at the end of that graduation ceremony. <laughs> and of course, you know, a mother sitting there as her children are graduating is having a hard enough time to begin with, and then you hear bagpipes, and it makes it even more emotional, you know. Because <laughs> emotional, absolutely. Something about those bagpipes. So anyway, that's that was the first image of, um, I will say, letting go of, of my children as they were growing up. And then, um, again, in the title, Plain, my daughter decided uh, after she graduated from high school, I'm sorry, when she went to college, after she finished college, she wanted to go on a mission. And... Um, she informed us very shortly before she was to leave um, so that uh-huh. we couldn't back out. Um, and she was going to go to South America to teach in a Christian school. And so mom and dad had to come with, to grips with that. And so the image of the planes was her traveling back and forth to South America from our home and um, she was there three years so that was I guess she came home every six months I think so it was um, the sound of a plane every time I would hear it you know I would be thinking about my daughter and hoping she was doing all right and (laughs) um, Mm. that was that was that um, aspect of letting go (sighs) then uh I had other things that were happening to me uh, through, it was about six-year time frame. I had a, a bout with skin cancer um, that uh, took me by surprise and had to deal with, with that. And then uh, about a year after the skin cancer, I had been diagnosed with fibroid tumors and had to have an emergency hysterectomy. And so that was two scares in in a health crisis kind of way for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then following the two health crisis scares for me, my father became ill with congestive heart failure. And this this was when my daughter was still in South America. My father became ill, and she came home just in time for his funeral. So thankfully, Mm. she was for the funeral. But my father was a cellist. He played, uh, he has a classical musician as a cellist. Mm -hmm. And so the, the image of the strings is in the title. The bagpipes mm-hmm. playing strings. My dad was the cellist, and so anytime I hear string instrument, it always grips me <laughs> because wow. I had such. That a, is a wonderful yeah. title when you explain it, because it it is each each image is so strong. Yeah, it's wonderful. 
Now you you continue to write, am I? I mean, you still are blogging, and you oh, still. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I I have two sites uh, that I have listed here. One is Suzanne's Favorite Stories dot com, and I think the other. Wait, what's the other one? It's all about gardening. Your my favorite pastimes dot wordpress dot com, and I think these are. Now, what are they about? What do you try to communicate in your blogs and? That is the same stories. website. Uh, if you were to go to uh, the first, if you were to go to Suzanne's favorite stories, it would immediately take you to the website. And I, uh, okay, I had changed the name. I'm sorry, it had, I had changed the name. It was my favorite pastimes. Dot WordPress.com. Um, I initially was uh, writing about my gardening and decorating and crafting, and mm-hmm. I've branched out since then and included more stories. Um, you know, everyday occurrences, something that you know I experience throughout the day, and I'm trying to t- get a positive spin on things of, in life that I see. Um, just just little snippets of, of um, positive attitude, hopefully, <laughs> to share with people on uh, mm-hmm. ways of looking at things. Now, much of what you say or how you phrase it harkens back to the Waltons. By any chance, was that one of your favorite TV shows as a child? It absolutely was. <laughs> as a matter of fact, that, um, after my father died, my my family um, took my mother to the Walton's Museum. Um, that was one of the ways that we kind of coped uh, <laughs> after my father passed away because it was something that my mother and, and our family always loved is watch, sitting down and watching those shows together. So that's. Yeah. But I think there's a whole generation of people who grew up with that family. I so. know, and it, the, the simple stories that were told, but you know how close their family was together, and um, how they survived difficult times during the depression, and is still inspiring today. You know that we we still you know we face difficulty all the time, and still we have our families. And thankfully, you know, if you have a strong family, you, you get through things a whole lot easier. I think, um, of course, with with the faith in God, I don't know how else we could survive either, but um, that was the image of, of the Waltons with how strong they were. Yes. Well, you obviously were raised with a solid spiritual foundation. Uh, how does that translate into your spiritual or religious life through the years? Well, I'm just, I've just learned, you know, it, it's not, easy. You know, we all have bumps in the road, so to speak. You know, everybody has something that happens throughout their life and um, trusting in God to get you through it. Uh, I don't know any other way but to trust in in Him because He has helped me uh, in this process of letting go um, just to see he's gotten me through difficult things in the past. He'll get me through difficulties in the future. And, you know, in in the process of letting go of people or things that 
we or ways we think our life should turn out, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. we can cling to the Lord, Jesus Christ, as our as our hope, and he will get us through whatever life holds for us. So that's how I look now, at them. Do you ever question that? I mean, do you ever step back and, and, you know, with some indication that you've been guided to take a certain path or do a certain thing and you want to go, what? You're asking me to do what? (laughs) Does that ever happen to you? Absolutely. (laughs) I think, um, you know, everyone will question, you know, doubt, you know, is this really what you want me to do, God? Because sometimes the road is not, an easy one and sometimes you'll say you, you told me to do what <laughs> and and it's not what you think it's gonna you know you, it's not what you thought you were signing up for um and so in the midst of it is the hardest part a lot of times you know there's kind of a lonely road and sometimes you may have prayers that you feel like are unanswered or there might be times where where are you, God? You know, I don't, I don't hear your voice speaking clearly. You know, and and so you got to re- recognize he's he's still there, but he might just be, you know, letting you tough it out just a little bit because you know he's um he's loving that way. He knows what you can do, and um he's just strengthening you through the journey. So. We all have had those moments where, you know, we question, but. Yes. Do you have any other projects coming up? I am still working on some material. Um, If I were to write another book, it would be about how my husband and I met and um, the love story. We were pretty pretty young when we met. Boy, have we learned a lot. (laughs) If we knew then what we know now, <laughs> we were we were still in college. Uh, we met when we got married. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, quite a story all by itself. Because so, um, absolutely, he got to be, he had to be the cook and the the housewife for for a while because I was the the study uh, the person that was studying all the time, and he was the one that wanted to play more than study. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so tell me, if you had to say there's one takeaway from your books or, or from your message of what you've been writing over all this time, what what do you think it is that you, you want to say to your audience? Well, I would say if you're looking for something that's inspirational and uplifting, um, and is homespun and has an emphasis on faith and family. That's what I'm hoping people will take away. Um, you know, it's not going to be uh, the sad things that happened to me. You know, that that might be a little bit on the the uh, let's say downside of of what we go through in life. But it's not going to be um, the end of the story. We have something to look forward to that's always hopeful. And so um, I would just say it would be an inspiring type of story in the vein of guidepost stories. Um, you know, people go through difficulties, but 
how do they look at it? You know, are they, uh, can they say something positive after they've gone through it? That's, that's what I was always encouraged by in the stories in the Guidepost magazine that, um, as people, you know, they're survivors, they can get through this and that helps other people when they face something. Indeed. So where are your books available, Susan? Well, you can get uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble has both of them. Uh, you could go to the individual um, publishing company, or you could go to my uh, well. My blog post will show you uh, more about the books themselves. If you want to just read about those books, but to purchase them, you can go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble. That's great. So thank you. Thank you very much for being with us, Suzanne. Let's remind our listeners, we've been talking to Suzanne Casares about her book, specifically The Checkerboard Quilt, A Memory Collage of My 1960s Childhood, which is available on Amazon and uh, at Barnes & Noble. Uh, And she also has a podcast that uh, you can follow as well. And thanks to our listeners for joining us. Remember, nothing supports the work of authors better than picking up a copy of their books. You can also support the work of this program by going to the Train Your Brain, Claim Your Power podcast on anchor.fm to like us, follow us, sponsor us, or subscribe. And feel free to share the programs. Let people know that we're using podcasts to give authors their voice. So thanks again for being with us, Suzanne. It was fun to have you here today. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye for now, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shireko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, sharing the journeys of those affected by sudden and great loss and what they did to heal, rebuild, and where they are now.